This week on the Recruitment Flex, Shelly is back and she is excited along with myself to be named on TA Tech's 2023 Top Talent Acquisition Thought Leaders. Major acquisition for AppCast as they acquire iconic recruitment marketing agency Bayard Advertising. Have you tried Treads? I've signed up. And 255 days time to hire for the city of San Francisco. Talk about bureaucracy. TRF starts after this message from our partner, Van Hack. Hey there, Shelly. Have you heard about Van Hack? Oh, you mean the HR tech sensation that's taking the recruitment world by storm? That's the one. Van Hack is revolutionizing how companies find top talent globally. Imagine connecting with skilled professionals from all around the world without the hassle. Absolutely. VanHack has a great team and seamless technology where recruiters and companies can discover talent with ease. And they have a talent pool specifically curated for tech professionals. Tech savvy and globally connected, just what every company needs. VanHack offers tailored solutions for companies of all sizes, from startups to Fortune 500 giants. So if you're ready to take your recruitment game to the next level, join VanHack today. Yeah, visit VanHack and unlock a world of talent right at your fingertips. VanHack.com, where global recruitment meets simplicity. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Bonjour and Shelly, welcome back from vacation. You don't look too tan, but you look happy. (laughs) I'm very well rested. Saw lots of great things, had some great meals. Tell me about Uh, it. So how was your graduation? It was fantastic. Parker was so happy that we were there. It's just worth it all just to see the smile on his face. We took him and his girlfriend to Budapest. And I got that idea from Julie Sowash because her daughter lives there. And Julie was saying to me when we saw her at Unleash, she was saying, best kept secret in Europe is Budapest. And mm. she was right. And big shout out and thank you for Julie's daughter, who gave me a whole list of great restaurants, things to see. Don't miss doing this. Probably the coolest thing was something called a ruin bar. And it's four different nightclubs in a building that was originally bombed out where the kitchens used to be are different bars. And apparently they're super popular in Europe. So I had one drink. <laughs> one drink and told so I was there. The whole yeah. Time? No. Yeah, yeah. Or just at the bar. Yeah, just at the bar. How was <laughs> your travel? No issues? Serge, I am going to tell you I will never travel with Air Canada again. Okay. Never. Well, you can't say that. What? what options do we have in Canada? You can't say you're never going to fly Air Canada again. I'm not. I will do everything in my power to avoid Air Canada. Apparently what they do is even though we booked the flight on Air Canada, on their website, on their aircraft, selected our seats, paid the additional for a little more leg room, they then resell your seat to their alliance network. So we ended up on a completely different aircraft and I ended up with seats that gave me about four inches of leg room. Wouldn't have been so bad, but we got sat in the center four seats and the person beside me had eaten something for breakfast or lunch before they got on the plane. 
And I proceeded to gag on their farts for the next nine hours. Not to say this wouldn't happen even if you were in first class, but because of the close quarters of being sandwiched in these four middle seats. Oh my God. Not that's Air Canada's fault. What is their fault is that's not the seat that I bought. It was a bait and switch. Yes, but I'll tell you, you're going to see that through every airline. You know, I've flown a lot throughout the years. And I will tell you my experience on Air Canada way better than WestJet. WestJet has been a shit show for me every time. Really? So when you say you're not going to fly in Air Canada, wait till you get an experience on WestJet that's really shitty, especially in the last couple of years or after the pandemic. Air Canada has been way better for me than WestJet, but I have not flown overseas. I have not flown Trader Alliance partners, so I don't know. But anyways, I'm glad you're back. And Thank you. And you came back to great news. So we both yes. were part of the top 100 TA Tech, which is the Association for Talent Acquisition Solutions. We were part of the 25 summer class. So we are a top 100 thought leader in the talent acquisition space. So congratulations. Ooh, round of applause Shelley. for us. <laughs> Let me pat you on the back, Serge. Because it wouldn't have happened without you. I'd like to thank my family. I'd like to thank all those that have supported me throughout my career and believed in me. And yeah, thanks so much. Well, you know what's great about this award? We didn't have to pay anything. Because if I have to pay, it's not a legit award. This is a legit award. I really appreciate it. Thank you, TA Tech. Yeah. Thank you, TA Tech. Much appreciated. So I do want to move into the news, Shelly. And mm-hmm. we have... Breaking news this week. Our friends at AppCast have acquired Bayard Advertising. And this is really, really fascinating because we haven't seen one of these acquisition in a little bit. If you remember, in 2019, we saw Radiancy, who is a recruitment marketing firm by programmatic player Perengo. Then we saw Veritone by Pandologic, Indeed by ClickIQ, Recruitix bought KRT Marketing, and then we saw Stepstone acquiring AppCast, and now AppCast is buying Baird Advertising. So you didn't know a lot about Baird Advertising, but let me give you a little bit of the download on them. AppCast acquires Baird Advertising, combining a programmatic advertising leader with a recruitment marketing firm that works with clients across the industry. I don't know if you knew this, but Baird has been around for more than a hundred years. So let's put this in context. This almost doubles the size of AppCast in terms of headcount. So they're adding 238 workers to bring their total headcount to 550. As part of the deal, 57 people were let go across the two companies to avoid redundant roles. And Baird CEO, Louis Navieski will not join AppCast and is instead pursuing other interests. So Shelly, this is pretty big mm-hmm. news in the industry because Baird is one of the biggest recruitment marketing firms in the US. And obviously, AppCast is a major player in the programmatic space. I am not surprised. It makes a lot of sense overall combining recruitment marketing agencies and programmatic because if you're still buying based on what Indeed or Zip is telling you what the budget should be and not leveraging programmatic, you're doing it wrong. So this makes complete sense. What's your take on this, Shelly? 
Well, okay, first of all, I think what is different about this is the fact that everything we've seen up to this point has been that the programmatic solution has been acquired. Now we've got the programmatic player, almost the little guys eating the big guy, because a company that is 100 years old, to be acquired by a tech firm, that's what's different. You know, I always presume that a deal this size has probably been in play for at least six months. There's no way a company this old and this large as Bayard is going to be something they made a decision on in the last 90 days, right? I always think back, what was happening in the industry? What did they know was coming down the pipe that would cause them to say, okay, now's the time to get out and sell? Because this is a company in the traditional recruitment, marketing, and advertising space that would have seen the evolution of everything from sandwich boards on the sidewalk to print to online. So why now? What did they see coming that made sense for their CEO, Louis Naviaski, to decide he's going to spend his time in philanthropy? This was a long time coming. But I mean, I just want to speculate a little. Could this be a sign of time for agency to get out and let programmatic or the bigger programmatic players step in? Well, I think you're right. Definitely. It's been going on for more than six months. And if we look back, Baird was acquired by Shamrock Capital in 2021. So if you think about a mm. private equity firm, the goal is to cash out in some ways, right? So this mm -hmm. has probably been in discussion for at least a year. And I agree with you. The traditional recruitment marketing firm and model is outdated in the recruitment marketing space. Your ad spending should be done programmatically. This is how it's done in marketing. It's way more efficient than having Indeed saying, oh, you should put $5,000 on this budget, having no reality if that's going to work or not compared to the data telling you how much you should be spending and putting the money where the jobs need it. Programmatic does that. It makes a lot of sense for this combination. And you are right. I'm a little surprised that AppCast bought Baird, but I'm not surprised. Obviously, the terms were not disclosed, but I'm assuming AppCast and StepStone, who's owned by Axel Springer, you think about just how big these companies are, definitely had a lot more cash to be able to buy Baird as the opposite way around. Curious on your end, have you owning a recruitment marketing agency, receive any calls from programmatic players like Jovio as AppCast called you? Oh, yeah. Well, I can't disclose the terms of that deal either. <laughs> Here's my prediction, though. Something that I know from experience about companies that are 100 years old, there is going to be a lot of talent shed from Bayard. Because mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, changing the culture of any company that is that old is almost impossible. I think they will have a lot of trouble integrating their people into the AppCast world. I really do. Only from experience. There's a way of doing things in these old established companies that just takes years to unravel. Integrating. Leave. 
any company is extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think this won't be the exception. Yeah. No, there is a certain behavior of companies that are 100 years old. There is. I, there's probably a lot of employees at Baird that are extremely excited about this. Like more cash, mm. bigger owners, more technology, a better solution to the market. And AppCast was already the provider of programmatic for Bayard. So I don't know. I mm. guess we'll see. We'll see in six months, a year from now. But always yeah. interesting to see some movement in mergers and acquisitions in our space. And this is one of the biggest ones we've seen in the last little while. Yeah, it is. For sure. The only other thing I would say is that AppCast has made a lot of changes. So obviously they had a lot of moving parts here. I think if I were Bayard, I would be happy that it's AppCast because they have such a positive reputation in the industry. And on that note, I'm working really hard to get someone senior from AppCast to join us in the next couple of weeks. So we will be hearing a lot more about this transaction. Good. Next piece of news. And I don't even know if this is news. I don't think anybody's going to be, oh, I didn't know that. Or I didn't see that coming. But I believe that there is some testing going on right now on Indeed hosted jobs that would enable ChatGPT to help you out with writing. Shelly, before you go any further, what is a hosted job for the audience? Oh, hosted job. That means it's posted directly on Indeed. Okay. Yeah, it's not being scraped from your company site. That means you are logging on to Indeed and you are going through the whole process of posting it directly on the site. So a new feature is being tested right now where ChatGPT will pop in and say, hey, can I give you a hand with the job title? Can I give you a hand with the job description? And so not surprisingly, what's been seen so far is exactly the experience that I've personally had with ChatGPT when I'm asking it, oh, write me a job description for administrative clerk in accounts payable. 80% of the job ad is good. And then the other 20%, you got to kind of zhuzh it up a bit, right? You got to correct it. So that's the result so far is 79% of the jobs that have used this write a better job description they're seeing better performance and better quality applicants. Part of me goes, what is the drum that I have been beating my entire career? If you write a good job ad, you'll get better quality people. Talent acquisition is not really well known for being good creative writers or even being able to put the time in to write something well. The other thing is that job seekers will see a note that this was auto-generated job description. Yeah. Or that it just says, this is ChatGPT power job description. And so my first thought was awesome. It makes total sense. And the next question is, okay, is there any disclaimer from the candidate application that says this is ChatGPT generated? Like the employer is disclosing it, right? What about the job seeker? I cannot see why they wouldn't offer that to job seekers where they've got how many millions of resumes, right? And then you say to job seekers, here's some suggestions from ChatGPT. So now we've got nothing but perfect matches. Yeah, robots interviewing robots. So good on Indeed, but it is table stake in a lot of ways. Most job boards are doing this or something very similar and how in-depth they do it. I usually would say don't leverage ChatGPT too much for job descriptions, yeah. but 
you know what? They're so bad. They are. There's nowhere to go but up. You do raise a very interesting question. This is the first that I've seen anyone actually put. This is a chat GPT powered job description, which I love. I think it's great. The more transparent we can be, we're not going to see job seekers do this. But it is very evident. And I've been seeing a lot of resumes lately. And I would say the majority are ChatGPT created, which I still don't know how I feel about it because we overthink the resume across the board. All I need to know is, have you done the job? Can you do the job? And if you have done the job, demonstrate how you've done the job. That's all I need from a resume, right? Really good question that I've never thought about is... Are we going to see a world where job seekers and everyone's going to have to say this was chat GPT or AI Mm -hmm. generated? AI enhanced. Because if you are asking it to make a fake resume versus taking the document you have now and help me improve how to communicate the things that I've done, because it's based on your true actual resume. I think it's a win all the way around. You know, people really struggle to describe exactly what they did, or they simply take their old job description and plaster it into their resume. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think it's like I said at the start, it's table stake. Everyone's doing something very similar in a job board space. Indeed, it's just, I wouldn't say leading the way. I think there's a ton other out there, but it's good for them. Indeed probably gets by far the most content when it comes to jobs. And the better quality they can put out there is better for the masses. So I'm Mm -hmm. glad they're doing it. In other news, the U.S. job market has cooled down in June. So it added just 209,000 jobs, which I say just a little bit sarcastically because it's still a really high number. The June job gains released Friday by the Bureau of Labor Statistics were nearly 100,000 positions below May, stronger than expected showing of 306,000 and also fell below economists' expectation for a net gain of 225,000 jobs. That being said, last month's job growth still outpaces the pre-pandemic average. I think what we're seeing, Shelley, is there's definitely a cool down. It's still not dramatic. We talk about this all the time. There's no really news here. I think it's our duty to share a little bit what's going in the labor force. The one thing that I want to point out that this is the fourth consecutive month that women have been working more than ever before. So the participation rate for women between 25 and 54 climbed to an all-time high of 77.8%. So women are getting back in the workforce, Shelley. Yeah, that is awesome to hear. Yes. In other local news, global HR software firm Vantage Circle has selected Calgary as its North American headquarter. I didn't know anything about Vantage Circle, and I guess they're an employee engagement software as a service. I'm not sure what that means. It looks like they're really focused on like benefits, employee rewards, and recognition platform. Pretty similar to Benevity and Kudos already in Calgary, it looks like, but... Good for them. Right now, LinkedIn list, they have 261 employees. I don't know what their plan growth for Calgary and how big the office Mm -hmm. is going to be here, but it's always great to get an HR tech company coming into Calgary and Canada. Absolutely. It is. And it makes sense that they would choose Calgary when you take a look at the other companies you just mentioned. 
because that means you've got a talent pool. The good news for people at Benevity who may have historically worked there, because as you remember at the beginning of the pandemic, they let a lot of people go. So there's some really good talent here in Calgary that has put their time in at some of these other tech firms where it just made so much sense. Welcome to Calgary Vantage Circle. And they've got some pretty high profile clients too. Yeah, they've got Deloitte, Infosys, Coinbase, Bosch, DHL. DHL is a huge company. Yes. Enormous. Yeah. Welcome Always to Calgary. Always Yes. Shelly, since you're away, I don't know if you got the opportunity to start using Treads by Instagram. No, no I have, haven't. You haven't touched it? You haven't I haven't. I'm sorry. It? I've been a little busy. Talk what to me about it. What is it? So last okay. week, Mark Zuckerberg launched Treads, which has been described as a Twitter-killing text-based app to provide a safe space for community-driven conversations to happen. It's basically Twitter without Elon. It's distributed by Instagram. And within the first week, it got 100 million users. And I was one of them, Shelly. I downloaded, mm-hmm. created my profile on it. And I got to admit, I didn't really like it. And it's probably because it was new. It started following people that I follow on Instagram. And mm-hmm. Twitter is a little bit different. The f- people I follow on Twitter are completely different than people I follow on Facebook or Instagram. So now I'm trying to figure out, like, are the people that I'm interested in, especially in sports or recruiting news, are they on treads? Am I going to find them? And there's no really way of finding them because there's no hashtag or there's no algorithm that Twitter has so that you can find content that you like. So my first experience wasn't great. It's really impressive that they got 100 million downloads, but how many of these users are coming over and over again? I'm going to make some assumptions that, Treads by Instagram will not catch fire and it will probably be gone in a couple of years from now. Not a huge fan, but like any social media platform, you should know it and play around with it and figure out if it's for you. But as of right now, it's not for me. Yeah, I wondered what it meant by to provide a safe space for community driven conversations. Because if you go on Instagram, community meaning they're already in your network. Yeah. Interesting. We'll see if it catches on. I really, I got no opinion. What I will do though, is go on and check it out for sure. Well, I think the service that Twitter offers is extremely valuable Mm. uh, across the board. This is where emergency services leverage Twitter for multiple reasons. That's where you'll get some of your breaking news. There's different communities, but I don't know if Twitter is going to be long term and I was hoping Treads was going to be, but I guess like, I don't know enough. I haven't played enough with it. And I'll tell you in three months uh, that I've been converted into a fan. Okay. Let's go to the tip of the week. Here's what I got for you. You know what I got thinking about this week was for years, companies have always had a diversity statement at the bottom of their job ads. And I thought to myself, is there any reason why? So I asked the universe, meaning Google, (laughs) did a little bit of research. And there is no law anywhere in Canada that says you legally must have some sort of diversity statement. And typically, it is our practice not to discriminate against those that are underprotected. And it just all sounds very canned and not sincere. So I thought, if you're going to put that in there, why not make it sound sincere? Why not write it as if you would actually say it to someone? And if you don't know how, 
Well, here's our friends over at ChatGPT. Ask ChatGPT to write you a few samples of something that sounds sincere. It's easy to say that we have an inclusive culture, but what is it that you do that makes you inclusive? How do you show that? What are the things that you actually do that prove that you're a diverse culture? I love it, Shelley. I'm going to ask you the question, will HR and legal ever allow this? Well, so I can't see why not, because you can use the cliche statement of our hiring practices, we abide by the laws of this country that we won't discriminate. So why not say it in a way that sounds a little more authentic? If you truly do have a diverse culture, then say something like we're dedicated to providing equal opportunities for everyone and fostering a workplace where people are treated with respect and fairness. And with that, we have an unbiased hiring practice offering professional development that empowers individuals to succeed. Does that not sound a little better than the old cliche, we won't break the law and discriminate against you based on race, ethnicity, gender, blah, blah, blah. Well, Shelley makes too much common sense, right? Like we are still in the world where we don't say what we really mean. And I'll give you an example that's very similar to that is when someone asks you like, why did you leave your last employer? And you're never going to say that my manager was an asshole because that's really frowned upon. But what's the data? 90% of people leave companies because of their asshole manager. But we still live in this world where Mm. we just say things, right? And this is exactly what these legal compliance type of statements, they're not real. They're just a placeholder, like you said. But let's check mark. A check mark. Let's jump into the recruiting insight. Shelly, you got something exciting for me? (laughs) Although it was painful to read, I know it is so true. We talk about time to hire, right? It's pretty standard metric. Every industry anywhere in the world is time to hire. But San Francisco, that is the city of San Francisco, they just smashed the record. It takes that municipality 255 days to hire an individual. And the delay is primarily the complexity of their hiring process and not having enough recruiters because it takes you 255 days to hire a recruiter. And if you're a recruiter, would you not sooner pull your own fingernails off than have to endure 255 days to hire somebody? Oh my God. Well, I was hoping the article was going to go more in depth. Exactly what are those complexity of its hiring process? What is it? Like, and I am not worked in overly bureaucratic Right. Companies. So I have a really hard time wrapping my head around this. Can you give us more insight why it would take 255 days? Yes. Yes, I can. And I have firsthand experience when I was with NMAX. Now, NMAX, I have to say, did not take this long. What happens with a lot of these bureaucratic organizations is, first of all, the job has to be posted for 30 days. Then you have to interview your internal applicants only. Then you have to notify your internal applicants of the decision. Then you can go back to the people that actually applied to your job sometimes 120 days ago or 90 days ago, only to find out 
that none of them are still available. So then you have to post again. And if any internals apply to the second posting, you have to interview them first. Okay, so now we're at six months. Okay, now we're at 180 days before you once again go back to those people who applied, who are no longer interested or available. And then you find somebody from the external marketplace. They've applied to the job, they've endured your incredibly long process because it's also a culture of, let's just say, cover your ass. Yeah. Okay. So they are going to make you interview with six or seven people. And each of those people don't really remember what the fuck they were hiring for to begin with. And so they have absolutely no business interviewing you. But then the most senior person on that hiring panel decides to veto the whole fucking thing. I'm not kidding. And then you finally find someone and they're outside the pay band. So then you have to go all the way back to your compensation team and say, can we recategorize this job to another senior level so we can meet this candidate's pay range? That needs to be approved all the way up to the CFO, which will take anywhere from two to three weeks. So it does not surprise me at all, because when you get into bureaucratic organizations, municipalities, even state or federal or provincial, everyone wants to cover their ass. That's my two cents. I think you're bang on and there's no way I could work. Would you just know? There's no way. There's no way I could do it. I would go no. crazy within a month. It takes a special person. It. So it does take a special person. When we talk about employment branding, it's a really specific type of person that really wants to work for the government. And there is a lot of them. So there's a talent yeah. pool that understands this. But even in saying that, there's got to be a better way, right? There's got to be a better way. There's no reason. And they're going to have to change, especially in a competitive market where they're losing a lot to the private market. But like digging in a little bit deeper when we talk about time to hire. And I think this is an interesting thing, even with all the HR tech and everything that's going on since 2018 to now, time to hire has actually gone up. So the median now is 64 days, which is an increase of 12 days since 2018. And this was done by Gartner. There's another survey or research done by Josh Burson and he looked at it and the average now is 44 days, which is an increase as well. Why is it taking so much longer to hire someone? We should have all the tools. We should have all the process. We should know better. Hiring managers should know that we can lose candidates, but it's going up. What's your take there? You would think that it's going the other direction. I think we have to really point back to the fact that there's no denying a skill shortage. Yeah. It's not that there aren't people because there are lots of people out there, but you're not looking to hire just people. You're looking to hire the right skill. And it's just not out there. It's just not. It doesn't mean you're not getting high volume of applicants. It's just a reflection on the skill shortage. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm hiring a role right now and I've had around 100 applications for the role. And 99 were not even close to being qualified and the one that's qualified is still a stretch. It's an executive assistant role, which is mm. a very challenging role, but there is plenty of people applying. 
I think you nailed it when you say skills. There is a skill shortage. There's not a people shortage right now. And I do think it's driving up these numbers. And I think it's going to keep going up, unfortunately. I do want to jump into the next recruiting insight. And we talked a little bit about Tread and we talked a little bit what the impact to Twitter is. Well, (laughs) Elon Musk is not happy about it. You remember when Elon Musk came in and pretty much fired everyone? And for some reason, those employees working on Twitter were very attractive to Treads. Makes a lot of sense. They built something very similar. And Meta or Facebook is known to be a great copier. They take great IDs and then they just copy it and magnify it and do a great job with it. There's nothing wrong with it. But this week, I don't know if you saw this, Twitter actually sent a letter to Meta accusing them of illegally recruiting former Twitter employees. So I'll give you the breakdown. Meta has hired dozens of Twitter employees. Twitter knows that these employees previously worked at Twitter, that these employees had and continue to have access to Twitter's trade secrets and other highly confidential information that these employees owe ongoing obligations to Twitter and that many of these employees have improperly retained Twitter documents and electronic device. With that knowledge, Meta deliberately assigned these employees to use Twitter's trade secrets and other intellectual property in order to accelerate the development of Meta's competing app. First of all, there's no proof to any of this. They're making pure assumptions, but... I guess what I want to know from you, Shelly, and there's a lot of companies in very similar industries, and I've worked for three different job boards in Canada, like all competitors to each other, and it's never been an issue. And saying that, Twitter had to be a lot more careful. They knew there was ramification of just letting everyone go, and these people need jobs, and this is what they've been working for the past like five, ten years. They know this space. It makes complete sense that Meta would want to hire them. But what's your overall take about hiring from competitors? Should we be wary as recruiters of doing that? I think it's always a bad idea. Really? If you are, as they're being accused, if they were targeting people at their competitor, I think it's poor business form. And outside of all that, I think it's just bad karma. Now, I have to say, though, that I did read that Zuckerberg's response to this is that there is not a single former Twitter employee on the Threads development team. Okay. That was his public response. So I think it is a little puffy and posturous, but not surprising, of Elon Musk to do such a thing. First of all, he terminates people in the most brutal, inhumane way. And yes, of course, they have all of their direct experience. And yes, a lot of them would have gone to Meta, whether it was on the Threads project or any project. You terminated them. Of course, they're going to go. That is different than targeting people at your competitor. Yeah. It is. No different than the company that we're welcoming here into Calgary that we were just talking about. They're coming to Calgary because there's some good talent here that have experience from similar type of HR tech firms, right? So I think that's totally on the up and up and makes good business sense. Well, I have no issues with targeting competitors. 
I think it can be a sound business strategy if it's done right, especially in a market where there might be a finite amount of people that actually can do the job that you're looking for, depending on what the industry is, the experience. So it's not always wrong. I don't think it's always bad karma. I think it's survival of the fittest in a lot of cases because your employees are not going to go if they're happy and they feel fulfilled in their job. If they're getting approached by a competitor and someone's willing to entertain it, I don't blame the employee. I don't blame the competitor at all. And I blame the company that lost them. So I feel different, Shelly. But on that note, I want to jump into the next recruiting insight. And last week, you missed out a lot, Shelly. I did? You did. You know, tits are out, dicks are out. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Relating to that, I want to talk about what they call the Pump Act in the U.S. So we talked a little bit earlier about how women are coming back in the workforce and are coming at a really high rate, which is great. And it's partly because we're accommodating things that we have never accommodated in the past. And give you a little bit of idea what the Pump Act, which went into effect at the end of April, this is in the US, lactating parents now have the right to designate private space and time to pump during their work days. HR pros can help create a comprehensive lactation program for workers and provide space that are comfortable and functional. Now, a lot of the larger employers have to give women the ability to go pump in a room. And this is not like in a stall in a bathroom or whatever the case is. And I've never pumped, but I've had three kids and I've seen as well. Think about having to go in a stall of a washroom to pump. No, this is no. I know. It's not right. So when you read this, what did you think of this? Well, honestly, the first thing that popped in my mind is, did you ever watch The Office? Of course. Where somebody puts breast milk into their coffee because <laughs> it was just kept in the regular fridge. So that was the first thing I thought of. The second thing I thought of was it still falls short of the U.S. providing adequate time for mother and child. Good point. This to me, it's still you guys are missing the point. You are absolutely missing the point. This is about feeding your child. And yet you are forced to go back to work when you're, I think for a lot of American mothers, unless the employer is a major, like a bigger employer where they offer a longer maternity leave, some are back in 12 weeks or even under 12 weeks, depending on when you left before giving birth. Good on you for this, but shame on you for having to make a fucking law about it rather than addressing the real problem. Shelly, thank you for giving me that perspective because it completely escaped me the difference between Canada and the US, right? Like they're putting this law in place because women are going to work six weeks after delivering a baby, right? And they're forced to be able to pump at work. To feed Um, their child. To feed their child. What a major difference. And this is why I'm so proud to be Canadian. Women in Mm -hmm. Canada have the option to be off work for 18 months, Mm -hmm. which to Americans seems insane. Every American company that I've ever worked with has never understood it. But being a Canadian and having three young kids and seeing the impact of being with their mother or father within that time frame Mm -hmm. is so... Can you imagine? I can't imagine this, Shelly. At six weeks, I'm dropping off my six-week-old at a daycare. 
No. Can you imagine that? I can't. Because when I read this, I was like, oh, that's great. That's cool, right? Like their own room and it's more comfortable. It's not a stall in the bathroom or the old supply closet. But taking a step back and thinking about how far behind the U.S. is when it comes to child rearing, right? And this is a big advantage we have here in Canada, for sure. We do. We do. Tits are out. Dicks are out. We're going to put the tits back in. <laughs> so Shelly, on that note, so yes. great to have you back. Thanks, Fantastic. sir. Congrats thank on you. the Tech. I'm so happy we went together. Yes, congratulations to you, you too. everyone for listening to the Recruitment Flex and making this successful. So everyone have a great weekend. Thank you. Bye now. This is the last stop on this train. Everyone, please leave the train. Thank you for riding with MTA New York City Transit. Shelly, let's face it. Texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today. But your cell phone doesn't connect to your ATS. You're sharing your personal number with strangers. That's pretty scary, right, Shelly? And Mm. it's not even legally compliant. Mm, This is where our friends at Rectex come in. They've created simple yet powerful text recruiting software that works with your ATS. Plus, It's designed by recruiters for recruiters, so you know it works. To learn more and book a demo, visit www.rectxt.com, mention the Recruitment Flex, and get 10% off annual plans. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about, and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.